Have you ever walked past a dumpster and been like, yo, I wonder what's in that dumpster? I can put on these glasses. Let's start eating that trash can. <laughs> if you control the media, if you control the Justice Department, if you control the police, you own the system. Sometimes there are forces just too powerful, people just too big and rich, and interests that you don't even understand or know anything about involved that make it impossible for them to allow you to succeed in getting this exposed or corrected. Hi. Hello. Welcome back. Well, thank you. You're listening to the True Crime Dumpster with hosts Amy. And Kevin. <laughs> and Kevin is finally back from Mexico. So this episode is coming out a little bit later than anticipated. How was Mexico? Muy bien. That's awesome. It was awesome. Fucking killer. I know. I'm jealous. I uh, was waiting for you with bated breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I'm back. Weird, that's a weird expression. Bated breath. I, I never say that. So I, I yeah, know. It's, it's, I, it's the first time I've ever said it. So that's what I've been doing. Just waiting to hear for you for two weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pony mail is really slow over there, so. <laughs> so we are going to be continuing our much-anticipated Johnny Gosh Part 2. We know that you've been waiting with bated breath, but we did have a nice little in-betweener with our really, really awesome friend, Liz, and we got some really good feedback on that, and a lot of people got to hear her horrendous yet awesome, you know, survival of that kidnapping down in Chile over 20 years ago. So um, most of the case that we're going to be covering in this, you know, kidnapping series are actually survivor ones. Um, but Johnny Gosh is definitely one that uh, is still unsolved or so they say. You might tell us otherwise. And are you going to jump into some like rabbit hole theories or anything? I guess you'll just have to tune in and find out. Well, I think they're tuned in. I'm talking to you. Oh, okay. I'm tuning in. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's been a gnarly week, so I'm happy that you're home. Good to be home. Missed, it was a, yeah. I missed our bed. <laughs> Those bed bugs weren't keeping you company in Mexico? They were keeping me company, yes. Yeah, a little too much. <laughs> yeah, this has been kind of a gnarly week for deaths, actually. Uh, I don't know if you want to get into it too much, but this this episode is coming out like, you know, just a couple of days after or about, you know, half a week after Kobe Bryant and his helicopter went down with his 13-year-old daughter. That happened on Sunday, just about 45 minutes away from here. Calabasas is about 30, yeah, 30 to 45 minutes away from Ventura. Yep. And um, also this, just last night, the school resource police officer at my work was actually killed in an automotive, uh, well, he was, motorcycle. On, yeah, motorcycle accident, um, a semi turned in front of him. So it was a really somber day at school, and also just there has just been a lot of death this week. And yeah. It, yeah. Sean Reinard from uh, Death died. Oh yeah. Uh, Neil Pert. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's been a lot. Rush. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of good people dying this week. It really sucks. So. I just wanted to acknowledge that. So we're going to yeah. lift so your we're... spirits with this fucking <laughs> I, bummer story. I know, I know, I know. But um, there are some theories and some hope around the Johnny Gosh case, but I don't. But not much. Yeah, I don't hold much weight. I don't know what your idea of hope is. His mom, I don't know. You're, well, here's the deal. I've heard this story a million times, and that's one of the reasons I didn't personally want to cover it, because I'd like, I think it's cool when someone who doesn't know a case very well does it with fresh eyes, you know, and like a fresh mind. Um, and I pointed you in a few directions of some resources. Yeah. Uh, what were some of the resources you used to? Well, I don't know how fresh my eyes or my okay, mind your, are at this point. old riddled but, man, um, old man eyes. I uh, got some stuff off Reddit, took some stuff. That's good for like rabbit hole yeah, theory yeah. stuff. A lot yeah. of people have theories, you know, Wikipedia, uh, 
other websites on the internet and some Both of, the of stuff... those are not credible websites as an english teacher those are not credible websites sources yeah, uh, did you use any credible sources the netflix documentary who took johnny yeah yeah i got a lot of stuff from that yeah and we listened to uh, a little bit or you listened to a little bit of true crime garage they they really were they go slow on the case i mean they're very meticulous yeah and yeah. I listened to some other uh, podcasts Podcast. as well. I think Martinis and Murder was one of them. Okay. Um, theirs was pretty good. And I can't remember. You're putting me on the spot. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, um, as always, we will link our um, resources or we're actually going to get better at it. I'm actually pretty good at it. I need it. to get yeah, a lot okay. better at I was just, I was I saying we, I was saying we when I meant you. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> so you can always find our resources uh, on truecrimedumpster.com. And if you're part of our Facebook group, that's where we post images most regularly. We're trying to get better with our Twitter and what's the other thing? Instagram. Sure. But we're, we're working on it. Those are just, we just don't use a ton of social media. At least I don't outside of Facebook. So we're getting we're going to get better with it. All right, without further ado, Johnny Gosh part 2. Hey, listen to you. I know I'm a poet and didn't know. We just started okay, yeah. we just started doing Shakespeare at school. I hate it. All right. <laughs> All right, so here's I'm going to there's a lot of stuff here, so I'm going to try to cruise through this as fast as I can, uh sort of. But don't you know, I'll stop you if I need clarification. Oh, I know. Okay. Um so a little recap from part 1. September 5th, 1982, John David Gosh disappears while delivering newspapers on his Sunday route. The day before, the Gosh family attended a school basketball game. And Johnny goes to get some snacks, and he's gone for a while. His dad goes to go find him and finds Johnny under the bleachers talking to a police officer. Wait, you didn't go through this before? I didn't. This is some oh. undisclosed new material. So John Sr. gets Johnny. And um, he notices the cop's gaze, like, lasts a little too long as, you know, they're walking away. That kind of reminds me of that song, like, laugh just a little too long. <laughs> oh, is that? Hey, something. Does that give him something to yeah, talk yeah, yeah, about? Yeah, 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 that one. Jesus Christ. Sorry. Um, Bonnie Raitt. Did you just say Raitt? Bonnie Raitt's the name. I thought it was Bonnie Ray. R A I T E. Don't. Why are we talking about this? I don't know. Never. Oh wait, I never, know. Never sing that again. <laughs> I so did not know the words. <laughs> um, so Johnny tells his father that he wants to be a cop when he grows up. As they walk away. Mm. So another thing I didn't mention. Is that sketchy? Maybe towards how, later on. How long before his disappearance did this? The happen? day before. Okay. All right. So that's why it's come up. We'll okay. get to it. Okay. But um, so also something I didn't mention was a phone call uh, that was supposed to be like a wrong number call that John Sr. received late that night. Um, the night the night before or the night of? The night before. Okay. So the call lasted kind of like too long to be a wrong number kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just kind of weird because like his, some, was his, somebody talking or is it just somebody hung up? No, they were. He was on the phone for a while, saying like responding to questions and stuff. John Senior was. Yeah. Did he ever say who like what they were asking him? Wrong number is what he said. That that's weird. Okay. Yeah. It is weird. So, the I next... think I I think I solved it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, and I, keep going. <laughs> yeah, I I think I think I have a good idea too. Mm-hmm. Where am I? So. John Sr. always goes with his son, so this is... Yeah, on the... On, on the weekend paper routes. He always accompanies Johnny, and Johnny, this night before, he asks his mom and dad if he could do the route alone. Mm-hmm. His dad says yes, his mom says no. So, Johnny gets up and just starts doing the paper route like he always does. Why didn't his mom just go with him then? Well, his dad was still supposed to, so I don't yeah, know yeah, where yeah, his okay. dad is. But Kidnapping him, apparently. Or, yeah, something. So around 7 a.m. Uh, Allegedly. Na- <laughs> yeah, right. Neighbors start calling the Gosh home, wondering where their papers are. Uh, John Sr. goes looking for Johnny, finding his papers in a wagon two blocks from their home. Insert Richard Gear joke here. 
Yeah, if you, yeah. That was from If last you remember from part was, one. <laughs> they really needed their newspapers. Yeah, they can't dump without it. So John Sr. goes back to the house and tells Noreen that Johnny's gone. And so they call police immediately. And Noreen's his mom. Noreen is the mother, yes. Okay. Police arrive 45 minutes later, even though the station was 10 blocks away from the gosh, gosh home. Sorry. Uh, they immediately insinuate that Johnny just ran away. And this starts the rift between the police and the goshes. Other paper boys doing different routes saw Johnny talking to a man in a car, supposedly looking for directions. Uh, Johnny asks the only adult around if he could help the man because this dude was creeping Johnny out. And how old is Johnny again? 11 or 12? Yeah, I think so. I just It's just so weird. Like anytime like a grown like adult is asking like a, you a know, child. adolescent child like for directions. Red flag. That's just like, I'm trying to abduct you, you yeah. know? That's how I do it. <laughs> just ask Google, you fucking creep. Um, not funny. No, I'm saying, just ask Google. No, I'm not Don't funny. Be a, yeah. I know, I'm a dick. Please, please stop trying to snatch children. <laughs> um, so as the man approaches the car to help, the car speeds away. The car returns and someone walks out between two houses and forces Johnny into the car. Police insist that Johnny ran away and aren't doing shit, so the Goshes organize a search party with some neighbors. They meet at a nearby park, and West Des Moines police chief Orly Clooney, Amy's favorite name, mm-hmm. shows up drunk, yells at the volunteer search party through a megaphone saying, go home, he's just a damned runaway. And that's where we left off. Mm-hmm. So, to continue... Uh, believing the police had no interest in finding their son, the Goshes take a very active and public role in looking for him. Just days after Johnny's disappearance, Noreen read a story about two girls in Des Moines who were abducted and forced into prostitution in Nebraska. When police chief Orly Clooney refused to look into the link between these girls and Johnny, Noreen called a press conference to bring attention to the story and the possible connections. Is this like George Clooney's like loser brother? It's like twins. <laughs> He's like the Danny DeVito. I've never heard anybody with the last name Clooney except for George. I think it's one of the uh, 13 Illuminati families. Oh. <laughs> facts. Yeah. Only the facts here. <laughs> um, so after they make this press conference, uh, they begin getting threats and shit like that. Um, at some point. In- From who though? Randos, dude. You're like you're not gonna be like, hi, I'm Brandon T. J. Hooker, but I mean like I'm placing a threat. I but I mean like why? Intimidation to get these fuckers to shut up. What fuckers? The goshes. Who are they? You're lost. No, I'm not. I'm just like, why would you harass a family who has a missing child? Well, this is just like a general question. When we'll get into this, but you'll fucking find out. But there are people who do that, and it's fucking disgusting. I of course, there's hate fucking. It. This world is full of shit. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, as this story fucking yeah. Proves. Well, this is very cathartic. Okay, keep going. So, at some point in '83, the Goshes try putting up flyers at like a fair, at, you know, with like "Have you seen me?" kind of things mm-hmm. uh, for for Johnny at this local fair, and police wouldn't let them, saying it'd be a downer for fairgoers. <laughs> So, yeah, way to go. The Des Moines Police Department at this time, I don't know what the fuck is going on over there. I I heard, I listened to a lot of podcasts, and there were a lot of stories recently of, um, there was a pro soccer team. I'm going to get this story wrong now. You know, obviously I'm doing off the top of my head. But there was, like, a pro soccer team that, like, each one of them, like, instead of, like, their picture being shown, they, like, had a missing kid and, like, almost all of the featuring missing kids on this like pro soccer team. It was like in Spain or somewhere in like Was it Latin like a America. political message or something? No, it was just missing children. They're like, hey, if we're oh, if that's our images they're... are gonna be spread throughout the media, why not instead of our faces, why not these missing kids? And like it's something like eight kids were found that way. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, no, it's totally crazy. I just wish more people like would use it for good things, you know. Drink more milk here. They st- yeah. they don't put them faces actually Johnny Johnny, Johnny Gosh was one of the first kids. I on think the he milk. was number two. Yeah, yeah, and like that actually wasn't a very effective campaign. 
Yeah, people, that's, yeah, people, that's why they have osteoporosis and shit now. And fucking. Wait, are you talking about dairy or (laughs) missing kids? No, dairy. Oh. (laughs) Iowa people weren't drinking enough milk. We can edit all this out. March 8th, 1983, Johnny was spotted being chased by two men. Johnny ran up to this woman and pleaded with her, saying, Please help me. My name is John David Gosh. The man grabbed the boy and dragged him away before the woman could react. Aww. Allegedly. She, or well, was that a credible sighting? This is a credible. Well, she went to police. So okay. she reports this to the police. And uh, the police, weirdly enough, shrugged it off as a family situation, in quotes. The family situation of a missing boy. Like two guys. Like, like my two dads. Like, I'm running away from my two dads. I mean, that could happen. These days, yes. Yes, it could. (laughs) More so than back then. Especially in Iowa. Uh, In June of 84, a private investigator named Sam Soda arranged a meeting with Noreen, wanting to help. Soda claims to have knowledge of a vast pedophile ring based in Omaha, Nebraska, two hours away from Des Moines. Noreen is skeptical of this guy because... he, she just has a feeling and records their meeting, but there's no tape of this meeting. Hmm. Sam Soda tells Noreen he's been tipped off that another paper boy would be abducted in the second week of August. Noreen wasn't sure about all this, but informed Des Moines police anyways. They blow her off as well as the media. And people start thinking the grief of losing her son is making Noreen crazy. I know. She really sometimes comes off as like, a little frantic, but like, how could you not be? How could you not be? Exactly. She, I hate how she's portrayed sometimes because I think she's this like really just this grieving mother desperate to find answers, you know, (laughs) she totally is. But one reporter at the Des Moines register, Frank Santiago did give her the time of day and took a statement. Sam Soda was also responsible for outing a pedophile working at the Des Moines register. Same paper where Johnny delivered papers for. That almost sounds like it's a bad thing, but it's not. Like, oh, out. Oh, you outed me. Yeah. Snitches <laughs> get stitches. Anyways. Uh, 37-year-old Frank Sikora. Ah. So Sikora admitted to molesting 14 paper Oh, my boys, God. And he was given a polygraph test, resulting in him not having any knowledge in the Gosh case. Uh, he did it. <laughs> well, now, now who did it? Now it's turning into Scooby-Doo. Well, it's a conspiracy. Yeah. So, what's this guy's name? Sikora was immediately fired, obviously. Oh, yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. Uh, He turned himself into police and pled guilty to one count of third-degree sexual abuse and one count of lewd and lascivious acts with a child. Soda didn't believe Sikora, saying this is a man who is in a position where he knows all the roots and all the carriers. Soda was also a spokesman for the anti-child pornography group called Scared, or Stolen Children Are Reported Every Day. Weird. Um, He also went to a child auction looking for Johnny in Houston, Texas. What? That's so casual. What? I'm just... Oh, I heard... I I was on Craigslist and I saw an auction. I think this was one of the articles that I read on um, Reddit. It was like this big, long thing about Sam Soda and then this other guy that shows up. Real soon. But how did he find out about this child auction? Was it just like a black well, market he, thing? Or? He was like a private investigator, so he knows like the fucking CD under, underbelly. And all so these weird. All, all these characters are fucking sketchy. So yeah. just remember that. Okay. So August 12th, 1984, Eugene Martin, 13, goes missing seven miles from the gosh home. Eugene was also a paperboy and was also seen talking with a man and also disappeared into thin air, leaving behind a bag full of undelivered newspapers. But this time, police took immediate action. The detective chief inspector and the FBI were brought in to assist in the search and investigation, where in the Gosh case, police turned the FBI away. Because Noreen actually got a letter from... Hoover. Herbert Hoover? Yeah. The The uh, guy that started the FBI. So he offered to help, but then the local police... Oh, yeah. They're like, we're good, thanks. Yeah, because they're fucking retards. Allegedly. I don't like that word. 
allegedly. But they are acting like it. Yeah, sometimes you earn it. So this prompt police response might be due to the new law that the Gosh family helped create. The Johnny Gosh bill was signed into law July 1st, 1984, and it mandates immediate police involvement whenever a child goes missing. So through a lot of this bad shit, some good things eventually happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's something we definitely saw when we went through all those kidnapping cases is that like each almost each one of them like came with like the tiniest silver lining, you know, like the Amber Alert and um, yeah, the mm-hmm. Megan's Law, you know, they're fucking horrendous. But at the same time, like something good has to come from it, you know, especially for the families, because if you can't get back your kid, you want you want to be able to do something, you yeah. know, they should just uh Kill pedophiles. Yeah, I castrate pedophiles. No, just kill them. Okay. <laughs> Done. So around the same time, Sam Soda starts working the with the goshes and her this new sketchy fuck, Paul, <laughs> Paul Bishop. Paul uh, Paul Bishop tells Noreen that he's a CIA asset, sketchy, reachable by a phone number connected to Langley Air Force Base. He tells Noreen of a huge pedophile ring he claims was responsible for taking Johnny. Bishop tells Noreen that Sam Soda was also responsible for the disappearance of Eugene Martin, the paperboy Soda predicted about being abducted. Uh, Soda had a high distrust of Bishop. So these, these two guys are like vultures in on the shit. And it's fucking weird because they're like pulling her in different directions. It's very strange. And I feel like they're working for the same fucking people too. So Bishop was instrumental in securing the Gosh's trip to D.C. to testify before Congress about their son's case. Noreen claims Soda was key in subpoenaing Bishop to testify to a grand jury about Bishop's whereabouts in Des Moines. So, yeah, it's confusing because they're both, like, mm-hmm. kind of pitted against. It's like spy versus spy almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so it turns out Paul Bishop was a child molester and admitted the- pedophile. I know. There's a long thing on Reddit about this fuck, too. Yeah, yeah, I heard about Paul Bishop. So he'd been arrested for underage sex with boys several times, and the last time was in 2005. God damn. What the fuck is wrong with people? I know, and they're just surrounding this whole case with just people who want to get their hands on fucking little kids, you know? It's fucking gross. So, July 1985... A woman in Sioux City, Iowa, received a dollar bill as change from a grocery store. Mm. Written on the bill in pen I know this one. was the following, I am alive, Johnny Gosh. Three separate handwriting analysts confirmed the writing belonged to Johnny, but there was no way of knowing when it was written. According to the Treasury Department currency specialist, the bill had been in circulation since July 25th, 1974. Hmm. So, I mean, it was like a you know, thing, a little glimmer of hope, but there's no way to tell, you know? Yeah. At one point, a man called the gosh home and demanded $10,000 for Johnny's safe return. Noreen was directed to a phone booth several miles from the house where she would find a note with instructions. Noreen found the note exactly where the caller said it would be. The note told her to drive by herself to a certain part of the city where she was to deposit the money no later than 1 a.m., Police didn't have enough time to set up a sting, causing her to miss the deadline. Fucking police again. Yeah, but it sounds like a scam. I mean, but at the same time, if you're desperate to have your kid, you know. At least the police can get their shit fucking part of the deal together, you know. Uh, The man called back saying, you waited too long, lady. You won't get your kid back now. Another incident happened. Uh, They got a call from another unknown man who told John Sr. and Noreen, why don't you drop the case before you get hurt, Mrs. Gosh? About 20 minutes later, a man was seen in their backyard throwing rocks at their windows. The Goshes mm. call police, but once again, they show up and can't find anyone. Valentine's Day, 1988, the Goshes receive a letter typed, uh, a typed letter, sorry, mm-hmm. supposedly from Johnny. Part of it said, I'll never be permitted to come home. They've cut my hair. I look different. Please don't forget about me. Mm. Love your son, Johnny Gosh. So the letter contained details Noreen said that only Johnny would know. Plus it was signed, quote, your son Johnny, something he wrote on all his letters. So that was kind of like a clue to her. It's like almost like coded. Yeah. 
1989, Paul Benassi. This is where the story gets fucking crazy. Yeah, and it's... Crazier. Yeah, he's an unfortunate character, but um, also... We just want to acknowledge that it's been Banachi, Banasi, and Banaki. So um, you're going to go with what you feel. I We we drew straws, and I get Banasi, and she has to say Banachi. How did he say it? Like his, like John DeCamp, the old uh, senator and who ended up being his attorney, uh, called it every, he always said Banasi. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's. I'm going to go that, with his. Yeah, go with his. I mean, there's plenty of podcasts that we've heard where, like, they say all three different pronunciations. So we're gonna go with the the S sound. I'm okay. gonna call. I'm gonna say Bonate Chi Chi. <laughs> Bonacci. <laughs> all right. So, 1989, Paul Bonassi, an MK Ultra victim, supposedly, which okay. is fucking insane, uh, who had multiple personality disorder from being sexually abused since six years old. This dude is just had a life of fucking hell, man. He was serving time in prison for sexual abuse because, of course, he was abusing other people. Uh, he, he also claimed he was kidnapped and forced into a prostitution ring out of Omaha. Uh, he contacts ex-Senator John DeCamp, who ends up being his attorney, hmm. and he tells him that he was forced to help with the abduction of Johnny Gosh. The sex ring he talks about was headed by Lawrence King, a Republican Party activist and director of the Franklin Credit Union in Nebraska. Mm. In Benassi's diary, he talks about being flown all over the country, sold or given to the most influential and politically connected people in the country. He describes in grim detail being forced to have sex with a boy before and after the boy was murdered at Bohemian Grove. So those that don't know what Bohemian Grove is, you can look it up. But basically, it's in a remote spot in the woods in Northern California where the country's elites participate in crazy rituals under a giant statue of Moloch. Moloch goes back to like gods like Kronos and Baal, where ancient cultures would sacrifice children and engage in fucked up sexual rites to these deities. And these elites that run the world still, still do this shit. And it goes, you know, all the way to the top of almost every government, probably. Banasi also said he was used to procure boys from Boys Town, which is another mm-hmm. whole fucked up thing. And that was a, a home for wayward boys. And that's another rabbit hole. And Lawrence E. King's the head of that shit. And all this stuff is all connected. So Noreen agrees to meet with Banasi. Banasi had nothing to gain from this meeting. His sentence wasn't going to change, so like he wasn't doing it for like a plea deal or any yeah. like leniency, which kind of like let lended credence to his story. Um, he told her details about Johnny that only someone that knew him would know. Like he had a birthmark on his chest, but that was kind of public knowledge. But what wasn't was a scar on his tongue, or the tailpipe burn on his leg, or that he stuttered when he was upset. Benassi also drew a map of the plan, if you will, to kidnap Johnny, marking an X where the actual abduction took place. This X marked the exact location Johnny was taken, not the corner where everyone believed it to be. Benassi explained to Noreen that they took Johnny because they wanted an unused, like, fresh, yeah, virgin child that, you know, wasn't like a street kid and stuff, and... They also like they wanted him because he was obviously close to his family, and that was something that why would that these matter? Fucks also because because it makes him feel like more evil. Yeah, it's just virginal and like wanted basically. These fucks. He wasn't. That a th- do he, this wasn't shit. he wasn't a throwaway kid, I guess. Right. He wanted to inflict as much pain, and if you know about like adrenochrome and stuff like that, which is like mm-hmm. the, the adrenaline fear, yeah. in in like young people's blood. It's like what these fuckers get high off of. It's fucking insane. It doesn't sound real, but it is. They, these creeps would pay more for children like this. And so that's why Johnny was chosen, is what Benassi was telling Noreen. And he also told her that he was forced to molest Johnny. He was the first one to do it. And he was being filmed while he was doing it. Paul told, told Noreen 
how Johnny talked about going to yoga classes with her. And Noreen never told the cops or the press about taking Johnny to yoga class. So how would and, Paul know about that? And just and just to clarify, he's telling her all this stuff from prison, right? Yeah, he's yeah. in prison. He's like crying and stuff, you know. Yeah, no, I saw. We did actually watch a clip. It was from um, Finding Johnny or what was it called? Uh, something. Uh, what was it called? Why Johnny Can't Come Home or something. Yeah, like something like that. But yeah, I, they taped part of the interview and it it's, it's very like heartfelt and serious. Like, I mean, unfortunately in the Johnny Gosh case, there were a lot of like flukes and pranks and stuff that happened, which is just fucking like, I have no idea who gets off on that. It's disgusting. But this one, it it's just, there's too much there and it's too sincere and it's, he didn't, stand to gain anything from it you know it seems like he's telling the truth it does it does but he's also fucking a child molester he's got multiple personalities yeah he's got he's a lot like of incredible as fuck yeah but i mean he's he it seems like he's telling the truth so after all this knowledge of johnny's disappearance authorities never even they never interview paul Benassi. That After all this stuff that he knows, like mm-hmm. inside details and stuff, they never, they never even ask him one question. They it's they go and real. they go and ask his siblings where he was when Gosh was taken, and the siblings say that he was in Omaha, which apparently was good enough for investigators, and they never even ask Benassi one question, not one, uh, and that only adds you know to the subs- the suspicion of like a bigger conspiracy. Uh, watching the Netflix documentary Who Took Johnny, which is not on Netflix anymore. Wait, as of like... I don't know. I looked for it yesterday. It wasn't there. Um, Lieutenant Cam Coppers from the West Des Moines Police Department, when asked why they never interviewed Benassi, looks really uncomfortable and squirmy, giving a pretty lame explanation about investigator blowing him off after talking to the siblings. And that's just how they do things, is what he's saying. Hmm. And he just squirms on camera. It's fucking so obvious. Um, Paul Benassi tries helping Noreen find Johnny. Nine years have passed since his disappearance. Paul receives letters from others who were victims of these same pedal rings. Um, some of them describe Johnny's conditions and whereabouts. Still, police do not get involved. In 1992, John Walsh, host of America's Most Wanted, took up the case. Fuck yeah, he did. Fuck yeah. He's my fucking hero. So, John Walsh is no stranger to this kind of stuff. Uh, His son, Adam, was kidnapped and murdered. We talked about him. Yep. Uh, And so he wanted to help the Goshes. They featured Benassi on the show in his claim of elite pedal rings airing the show on the 10-year anniversary of Johnny's disappearance. John Walsh and executive producer Paul Sparrow didn't know how to take Benassi. Uh, Clearly, he was tormented, and obviously, we talked about it, multiple personality disorder, felon in prison, pedophile, uh, yet he knew details about Johnny that someone that didn't know him wouldn't know. Benassi explains how they forced you to molest and rape these children and film it and photograph it to use as blackmail to keep you under their control. And this makes me think of the whole Epstein thing. You know, in his house in New York City and his Zorro ranch in New Mexico, every room had cameras and microphones. Hmm. And he also had like this fucking library of VHS tapes that were labeled like each one was like some person's name with... 14-year-old, or this person's name, mm-hmm. with 13-year-old boy kind of shit. And the, that shit is just used for blackmail. You know, like, they they coerce you into, like, banging some young strange, and then they film it, and then they tell you about it, and then you're under their fucking thumb because mm-hmm. they'll expose it. So that's what's going on here. So, I mean, Epstein was way more... He's so far, like, the top of the international sex, child sex ring shit. And this stuff goes from Hollywood to the Vatican, Saudi Arabia, Asia. It's like, it's everywhere. 
Um, and to get more down the rabbit hole, the people that run these things are like literally blood drinking, baby killing Satanists. Literally? Yeah. Ooh. More accurately, sat Saturnists. The worship Saturn. Hmm. And this goes all the way back to Kronos, like I was this, talking about. This is obviously a theory. <laughs> uh, some think it's a theory. Well. I don't. I think this is pretty fucking spot on. I, just who are these blood drinking baby killers? It's. Oh, you can't name names? Don't dox these people. It's a crazy thing, but. Okay. Uh, the tinfoil hat podcast is like my favorite fucking podcast with Sam Tripoli and they, that's how, where I learn a lot of this stuff. And then I, it makes me like kind of look more into it. Um, but they do a lot of stuff on Saturn worship and like these fucking pedo cults and like fucking dark arts that, that yeah, rule the world kind of stuff. I guess it's not, I don't know. I am conflicted, but keep going. They're, they're so sick that they got kicked off YouTube. So that if that's an indication, they're on the fucking right track. Then wait, are you, you're not the baby Satanists, uh, the baby tinfoil hat. Okay, check them out on SoundCloud. You, they have websites and oh, shit. Oh, I thought that they were back on YouTube. They post like old episodes. Someone posts them. I'm not sure, but they're fucking awesome. Anyways, uh, on America's Most Wanted, Paul Bonassi describes uh, this house in rural Colorado. This part of the f documentary is fucking insane. So he describes his house that he was taken to in 86, where he saw Johnny, who was being kept by someone named the Colonel. Um, he described this, like, grate or this panel on the side of the house that you would remove, and it was, like, the secret entrance to, a, like, a secret basement or, like, holding cell. So he also told about Johnny escaping, being caught, and as punishment, he was branded. Um, and he describes the symbol of the brand. It's like a... X over like a curved line, almost like a smiley face. It kind of looks like a Roman weird gladiator tattoo. Mm. Um, after the show aired, all these kids started calling in, coming forward, some actually having the same brand that Bonassi described, many confirming the stories that Bonassi was telling as well. Paul goes with the crew of America's Most Wanted to the house that he described. So like, it's crazy that, I mean, it's not totally crazy, but it's crazy that America's Most Wanted is like spending all this time and effort on Paul Benassi's story, but like the police won't even talk to him. It's fucking insane. I know. So it's just like, I mean, I get it that like, uh, you know, a TV show is trying to get ratings and stuff too, but like John Walsh in like they America's Most Wanted was fairly credible. And yeah, like you have a host who's lost a child and knows what that feels like. They're so in it to win it, man. I know. And that's why it's just so crazy that the police won't even talk to this guy yet. Yet they're spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on America's Most Wanted to, like, get this guy's story and bring him to this place. You know, that's what's fucking... If you can you find know? that episode of America's Most Wanted, it's fucking awesome. Did you watch it? I've seen clips of it, yeah. Okay. So they they actually go to this house that Paul was describing in Colorado. and Oh, yeah, we there was clips of that in yeah, the documentary. Mm -hmm. And as they drive up, Paul has, like, this PTSD breakdown... And, like, can't go near the house and all this stuff. And eventually, you know, gets his composure. And they find the entrance, that little grate that he was talking about on the side of the house, sure enough. And it leads to, like, this, like, chamber under the house. And there's a bunch of kids' initials scratched into the wood mm -hmm. down there and stuff. Like, holding cells and all this mm -hmm. shit. And he was explaining how, like, if someone raided the house, they would you know, put all the kids down there. Mm -hmm. And um, he was recalling, like, being there with Johnny and being assaulted there with him and all this shit. It's fucked up. Uh, the owner of the house, which, when they went there, was abandoned, um, was a former prison guard, and he was nowhere to be found. Paul Sparrow of the show says, with all... In, of America's you know, Most Wanted? Yes, sorry. He quotes, uh, with all the resources and all the people calling in, still there was no concrete evidence to solve the case. And if they couldn't do it, no one else could or would because no one else was trying. Mm -hmm. And police never did interview Paul Benassi. Mm. 
it's after so, all that. He's shit. still alive. Like he's only like forty something. Yeah, he's out of prison. He's he's married. He's now. married and has kids. Yeah, I think he's doing well. Yeah, I mean, I saw. Gosh, I think I saw his like an interview they did in twenty nineteen with his daughter, uh, at like a pizza place. It was kind of weird. Don't and tell seemed, me it was Comet Ping. No, but I'm just saying like. Either that or it was like, anyways, I just saw it and he like didn't look bad at all. And he's like totally lucid and he looked good. Like, like the co- the police would, he would fucking cooperate with police if they wanted to fucking talk to him. He was reaching out. I know. It's fucking insane. Um, so I, in, I know that's, this case is very infuriating. Yeah. This, I hate this. I'm kind of salty because this shit is infuriating. Uh, so in 1989, the Franklin credit scandal makes headlines. Paul, Paul Panasi was one of the witnesses testifying Why against... Why is it called the Franklin Credit Scandal? Well, you're about to find okay, out. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, so, Paul Panasi was uh, one of the witnesses testifying against Larry King, King. Uh, alleging... Well, he was alleging sexual abuse by him and the other elite of Nebraska. Uh, the grand jury investigated, quotes, uh, and said Benassi, his claims were a, quote, well-crafted hoax, and Benassi was charged with perjury, which was dropped eventually because of bullshit. Um, but Lawrence King was sentenced to 15 years for the uh, embezzling millions of dollars from the credit union. Actually, $40 million. So, And in today's money, it would be like a billion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. And anyone that tried to come forward against King accusing him of involvement with these pedo rings were threatened with perjury. There was another uh, woman that came out with Paul. Yeah, and she refused and, to talk, right? Um, she was uh, charged with perjury, too. And there was a bunch of other people, but she they all... She backed down gnarly. They all did, yeah. yeah. I mean, because the... You know... And, these, that was, and that was Paul Benassi's friend, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's got to be such a bummer, like... They were in it together. Like you know, the, they were in it together. together. He, You know, they were victims together, and they kind of had this pact... I. I can't remember the interview I was listening to. It's been a while, but like it was like this pact and he, you know, he's not mentally well. He's got really gnarly PTSD and like the one person he kind of felt like he could, you know, have some camaraderie with. She backs down and she's like, I'm not fucking going to prison for 15 years for, you know, I mean, she she just like leaves him hanging. How do you challenge the power of like these people? You know, they're fucking in the highest like parts of government and shit. Yeah. You don't have a fucking chance. It's fucked up. That's what pisses me off about this shit. Mm-hmm. So in 99, Benassi filed a civil suit against Larry King, accusing him of false imprisonment, repeated sexual assault, and forcing Benassi to procure children for him. The judge ruled in favor of Benassi, saying he suffered much and that the multiple personality disorder Paul suffered was likely from the wrongful activities of Larry King. So when you say he ruled in his, um, it's a civil suit. So it was yeah, money. but like no, 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 no. I get that. But was there a trial? Yeah. Did Larry King show up to it? No. Okay, that's. I didn't think he did. No. But he was. But he was like found guilty. I guess he was. So he was. Uh, the judge filed in Benassi's favor, and Larry King was supposed to pay him $1 million. For, like, restitution? It, well, yeah, just yeah. mental fucking yeah, got it. damage. Um, but Larry King never pays him but anything. But that's but is that an admission of guilt, though? I mean, like, that's what's so confusing I don't know this. how that part works, because like, he never... Sh- I don't think Larry King ever showed up. So I didn't like, know you can't show up to court for a trial that... You're being accused in. I didn't know that that was an option. Hillary Clinton's doing it right now. Okay. I don't <laughs> want to go there. <laughs> Shit's still going on, people. I know, but it's just like, if he has to pay a million dollars out, don't you think that would also Allegedly, come with, I gotta say allegedly. I'm just saying like, but don't, don't you think that that comes with some kind of jail sentence or something? Or is it just purely monetary? I think because he, the... The federal case, I'm not sure. Yeah, the federal case um, with the credit union, his testimony saying about the molestation and all that stuff, he wasn't, you know, they didn't rule in his favor for that. So I don't I don't know if it's je- double jeopardy. That's why there's no jail time. That's why the civil thing, like the OJ okay. thing. Yeah, okay. 
It's just weird. Like, it's almost, yeah. Ugh. It's um, so messy. Yeah, it's fucking harsh. Uh, so in 93, the stress, you know, backtracking a little bit. Uh, in 1993, the stress of all this shit uh, finally caught up with Noreen and John Sr. And they filed for divorce. Um, but after that sometime, um, I'm not sure how long it was between the two, but Noreen remarries George Hartney. He seems very sweet. Yeah, he seems like they're doing okay. Um, so in August 2006, Noreen begins getting dozens of photos of boys bound and gagged. Oh, fuck. Sent to her house. I can't, this part, yeah. And these are fucking gnarly pictures. Um, one of these boys in most of the photos looked a lot like Johnny too. Um, Noreen tracked the photos down to a child porn website, which was soon taken down. Um, she also took the photos to police. Police find discrepancies in the dimensions of the boy in the photo and the descriptions of Johnny. And John Sr. also says that the boy's face in the photo doesn't look like Johnny, and there's no birthmark on the chest. Yeah, I could. there are some pictures where it does look like him, and then there are some pictures that clearly that don't look like him. Yeah. But nonetheless, they're very disturbing images. They're fucking yeah. disturbing. They look fucking terrified. Ugh, just bound and gagged boys. It's just fucking gross. So these pictures uh, get tracked to a case in Florida that w- was supposedly solved. Police say the boys in the photos were all, well, all but one were identified. The one and that looked all like Johnny of the, Gosh. Yeah, and the, all of them, except for the one, were from Florida. Um, and supposedly none of them were Johnny Gosh. But the one boy that they can't identify, the one that looks like Johnny Gosh, what? Noreen claims, is Johnny Gosh. Did they give an explanation as to, like, what the fuck is up with these boys? Supposedly, that it was part of some case in Florida that had been solved, according to these detectives. Yeah, I just so, don't like it. It's like these guys, you know... What's it's the, like they're all covering for each other. Yeah, what's the... Uh, there's there's some saying, like, something about the blue or whatever. Uh, they Basically, you don't rat on... It's like any gang. Um, snitches get stitches. Yeah. So, in 1997, um, Noreen was asked if she'd ever seen Johnny. Um she was at the at a trial. Um, I can't remember what exactly the trial was, but um, she was asked on the stand if she'd seen Johnny since the abduction under you know perjury. You'll get charged um, if she was lying. So she said that she opened the, the door one night. Someone was knocking on the door like incessantly. She opens the door. Um, but before she opened the door, she asked who was there. And the voice on the other side said, it's me, Johnny. So Noreen opened the door to see a young man standing there with another man. Noreen said that she looked into to this Johnny guy's eyes and knew it was him. She says, quote, the eyes don't change. The other man never said anything, and Johnny never introduced him. Noreen wanted to call someone to help, but Johnny said, quote, if they'll kill me if they knew I'd come here. Mm-hmm. So he told her a little about, like, how the kids were trafficked and moved around the country and uh, how they were forced to do illegal things so they wouldn't go to the cops. And uh, I think they talked for about an hour, hour and a half, and then then he said he had to go. So Noreen said she never wished that she told the court about it because after that came out, there's like a media blitz and like all these people like criticizing, talking shit. And like, it was pretty hard for her. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like, the last thing that was really publicly done. Uh, Johnny Gosh was never found. Uh, West Des Moines police still consider him a missing person. Uh, Noreen and John Sr. determined to find their son had a huge public presence and were able to help make laws and put systems into place to help law enforcement actually find kids. Through the Gosh's loss and pain, some good did come of it with some laws and stuff like that but it seems to me that the Des Moines police didn't want to find Johnny and it seemed like they were the ones thwarting the you know any any leads at every turn uh, so I suspect they had a pretty big hand in these rings and I'm not sure whatever happened to that fucko Orly Clooney and some of these other guys, but I don't know how these fucks sleep at night. 
because mm-hmm. yeah, pretty dark. Mm-hmm. So that is what I have on Johnny Gosh, and there is a million more rabbit holes in worm tunnels. You can <laughs> I don't know. It's a it's dark and it fucking it fucks with your head. So Reddit's a hell of a drug. So yeah, do you got anything? Wait, that's it. That's it. I guess no. I'm just saying. Like, I thought you were gonna go down more rabbit holes. You want me to get deeper than baby eating, Satan worshiping? I guess. <sighs> I thought you were gonna go to the center of the fucking. Chronos. What do you think? Well, so what do you? What's what's your? What do you think? Is he is he around? Is he alive? Is he dead? Is he what what? It's hard to say. You know. Um. I think like more than half of people on Reddit say like, and it's, this is true. Like when you, when the, the majority of the time someone takes a child, they fuck them and kill them and within are done the, with it. Within the first 48. Right. But these like sightings of him and him riding on dollar bills, him like stories of him escaping and being branded and all this shit. I don't know. It sounds like he maybe got away and, you know, didn't, tell Noreen where he was or where he'd be or how to contact her out of like trying to keep them both safe mm-hmm. or maybe Noreen's not telling the truth and they are in contact. But I think the dad, there's like some shit with the dad that seems fucking sketchy. Yeah. He's still alive, right? Yeah. 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 I know the interviews I've seen with the dad, he seems credible, but you know what, how much can you tell from an interview? I want to believe uh, I, I want to believe the best case scenario, but there really almost is none in this case, you know? I don't know. I I know that Noreen Gosh is, like, super open to, like, interviews and discussing stuff, so maybe maybe we'll reach out to her and, like, do an update or something. It would be really nice if this case was solved. It seems like a lot of cases lately have been, you know, like, cold cases and, like, m- missing persons cases have been solved a lot in the last couple years with, like... um familial DNA and stuff. It, it would be really awesome to like figure this one out. Cause this is one of those ones where it's so many years, you know, um, I was just listening to another one on true crime garage, which is, um, Maura Murray. Um, they interviewed Julie Murray, um, uh, Maura Murray's sister. And that's another super duper mysterious. That's a disappearance, not an abduction, or it may have been an abduction, you know, but, it it would just be awesome if like more this when it when you don't know the ending you know and you don't know what happened those are the ones that like just it's so easy to go down all these like fucked up weird thing you know rabbit holes exactly you know yeah. I know we say rabbit holes a lot but that's what it is you know that's there's what just we call them yeah I mean because it's just like oh and then there's this one oh and then there's this one and then it's like you can just keep going and going and going but. Realistically, I mean, undoubtedly he suffered a lot and it sucks, you know. What fucks me up is like this stuff is still going on. You know, you have like the Epstein thing, which is connected to like Prince Andrew and the royal family. And then that goes like back to like Jimmy Seville and all this shit. And like, you know, it's just like all these rich connected, horrible pedophiles. Kevin Spacey. That keep getting away with shit. That's the Harvey fucking Weinstein, shit. I all these fucking... I can't stand it. And, like, all these people that are, like, in these high places trying to be, like, the pillar of morality and tell us how to live are these fucking degenerate cunts that don't deserve the fucking air we breathe. And that's why I pray for Ragnarok every day. Okay. <laughs> Um, well, I think that's going to conclude <laughs> on that, on that so. note, <laughs> fuck all these fuckers. I, yes. I mean, and of course we're talking about just like the bad people. There's a lot of bad people, but there's also a lot of really good people like our listeners. So we thank you. <laughs> Is that a good transition? <laughs> that was great. Sorry. This shit pisses me off. I know. I know. Um, and another thing that pisses okay, me off. All right. Is like the amount of people that think all of this is bullshit. 
Like you, ch- you like the Johnny people- Gosh thing. It doesn't feel like bullshit. It's like it's fucked. But and if you try to explain no these things to know, certain people, I know, like someone that I'm thinking about, <laughs> that is my dad. Your dad. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't listen to this podcast. It's fine. Fuck. He doesn't believe. He's just like, oh, Kevin, and your conspiracy theories. Well, this. This is not just you. <laughs> I believe in a lot of bullshit, but it's all real. <laughs> uh, well, the earth is flat. <laughs> That's what we're really hollow. <laughs> yeah. How can it be flat and hollow at the same time? You don't actually believe that. Just fucking take it back, or we're gonna listen. <laughs> we're gonna lose all our fucking listeners. I guess we'll find out when we die. Which is gonna be soon. <laughs> We got the norovirus, or we're not noro. The what's it called? Whoa, what's up? Way behind, huh? Yeah. Oh, that well, was that was last month's virus. Yeah, pandemic. it's uh, the beer one, Corona. Coronavirus. Yeah. yeah. I'll take mine. You with get lime. it? You know, you get it from drinking too many Coronas. I've had that before. Yeah. I don't think you can drink too many Coronas. Yeah. You'll just look like one of those beach balls. <laughs> well. Anyways, thanks for listening. Uh, if you're still there. <laughs> <laughs> So um, next, the, for the next couple of weeks, we're actually going to have some Survivor ones uh, where um, I've been able to listen to their um, memoirs around being a survivor of brutal kidnapping. So even though there's going to be a lot of brutality and sexual assault stuff that we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks, um, there's also a lot a beacon of hope and light um, in at, with both of them. One memoir is actually called Hope. And they're just really, really amazing women survivors. Next week, I'm going to do, I I think I'm doing Errol Castro first. Um, Well, he's not the fucking survivor. He's the piece of shit that abducted them. Um, He abducted uh, Michelle Knight, Gina DeJesus, and Amanda Berry. That guy's a piece of shit. Oh, my God. Well, he was. (laughs) Serious. But uh, luckily, he's fucking gone now. And then also J.C. Dugard. Um, who was abducted by Philip Gerardo and his piece of shit wife, whatever her name is, who I think she's out. I hate, I hate it. I hate it all. Okay. What's crazy too is that uh, Morbid, which is a podcast we really like, but they just did fucking Ariel Castro. So don't listen to theirs. Listen to ours first. They're they're linked into your thoughts. I think they hacked the uh, drive. Yeah, I mean they're they're going like fairly chronologically, which you know is a plan that I have as well. But I I'd like to go a little more into the psychology and kind of you know a lot of the cases that we've talked about talk about how you know they're connected and how you know the patterns of abductors and you know things that you can do to keep yourself safe. Or we're gonna get you know. real abstract on this. Nothing's gonna make any sense. <laughs> So buckle up. No, my I'm better at organizing than you are. Actually, you did a pretty good job. Hey, thanks. Yeah. At least I can find my keys. I know. I got a tile, so I can find my <laughs> keys now, too. Except for um, I'm going to lose my tile before I can put it on my keys. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening. I know we've said that like 80 times now. You can email us at truecrimedumpster at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group, True Crime Dumpster. Um, you can take a picture of a dumpster and tag us on you already said Instagram. That. Yeah, okay. There's Instagram, t- True Crime Dumpster. We're on Twitter, TC Dumpster. And uh, our website, truecrimedumpster.com. Um, we're going to be going live with our... Live? I don't think it's live, but we're going to be... Um, Undead. Beef- beefing up or you know putting out our Patreon soon. Ooh. So um, if you just can't get enough of us... You're going to get more. <laughs> if you have a problem falling asleep, we got then a cure for we'll you. we'll keep you up. <laughs> hey, we're awesome, right? You're awesome. Oh, I know. I've missed you. So oh. anyways, um, we love you. Um, you know, like not, I know at the end of this, I like to act all negative and everything, but realistically, this has been a really tough week. Um, I actually just got a notification that somebody else I know that just passed away. So I'm just, I'm over people dying this week. Please don't die on us. We love you. Um, and if anyone pulls over to the side of the street and asks you for directions, run. Fucking kill them. <laughs> or, or kill them if you're able to. <laughs> just assume that they're trying to abduct you. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Never talk to anyone. That's uh, how you stay alive in this world. 
so yeah, this one's coming out a little late, but um, we'll come. We'll go back to uh, having our podcast out on Tuesdays, so we'll have another one out uh, just a couple days after this one. Um, so have a great couple days, and uh, tune back in with us where we keep talking out the trash. I'm trying to make that stick. We'll see if that one sticks. I like it. Instead of taking out the trash, talking out the trash. Oh yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's like talking tried to, out the trash. I tried to make it a thing. You can say it with a draw. That's, like, I'm that, talking that out our... the trash. <laughs> and then it sounds more like taking. All right, so that's going to be our new send-off. We'll see if it sticks. So right. uh, True Come Denster, where we keep talking out the trash. Bye-bye. <laughs>